welcome. Thank you for choosing to listen to this spirit-filled word by David Entry. When you catch a word, you have caught God. May you catch a word today that will cause God to change your story. Be blessed. Second Peter chapter 2. I want to read from verse 9. The Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. But chiefly, them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government, presumptuous are they, self-willed, they are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. Whereas angels, which are greater in power and might, bring not railing accusation against them before the Lord, but these, as natural brute beasts, made to be taken and destroyed, speak evil of things that they understand not, and shall utterly perish in their own corruption, and shall receive the reward of unrighteousness, as they that count it pleasure to riot in the daytime. Spots they are and blemishes, sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you, having eyes full of adultery, and that cannot cease from sin beguiling unstable souls and hearts that have exercised with covetous practices, cursed children, which having forsaken the right way and are gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Bozo, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but was rebuked for his iniquity. The dumb as speaking with man's voice, forbade the madness of the prophets. These are wells without water, clouds that are carried with tempests, to whom the mist of darkness is reserved forever. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through much wantonness. Those that were clean escaped from them who live in error. While they promised them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome, of the same is he brought in bondage. For if after they have escaped the pollution of the world through the knowledge of our Lord, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome, the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they had known it to turn from the holy commandments delivered unto them. But it is happening unto them according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to its own vomit again and the sire that was washed to her wallowing in the mare. Here ends the reading of God's holy word. Amen. In our previous teachings, I spoke about the five things that false prophets and their company are like amongst us. Number one, they are as unreasonable animals, according to verse 12 in 2 Peter chapter 2. Number two, they are spots and blemishes amongst uh, amongst the believers, according to the verse 13. And then number three, they are like Balaam, son of Bozo, having forsaken the right way or the straight way and gone, uh, gone for unrighteous gain. And then number four, they are like wells without water, misdriven by storm in the verse 17. So we have touched on all these. They're looking back again on the verse uh, 15, which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray. You see, naturally, human beings, if we are left without the truth of God coming our way, we are very prone to going astray so long as God is concerned. So human beings, by nature, are prone to going astray from God's way. Because the scriptures actually say in Proverbs, I think 14, 12, that there is a way that seems right to man. As long as you remain a man, human being, a creature, mortal, 
There are things that might seem right to you, but the end thereof is death. And a lot of people have experienced that in the choosing of romantic partners. <laughs> You've chosen romantic partners. She looked very right, he looked very right, but ended up costing you your credit history. Uh, your, your, your credit rating. Uh, some people, the most pain they have suffered came through the direction they went in romance. Yeah, it's, are you a genuine? But you never knew. Because we are human beings, there are things that will come your way. You might think you are making the right decision, but we are very limited, restricted, and not perfect. So we are limited in wisdom. You don't make major choices in life based on how you feel. So, human beings are limited when it comes to our choice. And as we grow, sometimes, you see, they, they tell you experience the best teacher. Not necessarily so. Because sometimes by the time you finish learning, you are dead. <laughs> so, <laughs> wisdom. It's better to learn from the experience of others. So, well, let's get on to the text. Um, so, there's a way that seems right to man, but the end thereof is uh, death. And it says that, um, yeah. So we, 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 we spoke about how prophets, false teachers, sorry, false teachings. See, false teaching is the biggest threat to any church or, or Christianity. Not persecution. Persecution actually builds the church. There have been many governments over the years across the generation that have persecuted churches and they are gone and churches are still doing well. You know, so persecution is not a threat to the church of Christ. What threatens the church of Christ is false teachings. False teachings. False teachings. False teachings. You see, sometimes false teaching, especially the teachings that look bad from the onset is easy to avoid. But the ones that look good by a little mixture of force, they are the most dangerous ones. So from the verse 2 or somewhere, they spoke about how they secretly, clandestinely, sneak teachings. See, it says that who privily, secretly shall bring in damnable heresies or destructive heresies. They do it secretly, not plainly. So, the greatest threat to the church of Christ is wrong teachings, false teachings. And so then, every local church must focus a lot in, uh, focus the congregation, the focus of the congregation on sound teachings. Now, he warned them and said that false teachers will come and there are people who will follow them. And he said false teachers are like brute beasts. Wow. And he said, false teachers are spots in your feasts. He said, false teachers are like Balaam, who focus on gain. And they forsake the right way. And then false teachers are like wells without water. You are thirsty, you get to the well, no, no water. These are, verse 70, these are wells without water, clouds that are carried with tempest, to whom the mist of darkness is reserved forever. For when they, this is what is a, a bit of elaboration on these wells without water, for when they speak great swelling words of vanity. Great swelling words of vanity. What do we mean, what, what is vanity? When something is vain, it doesn't lead you anywhere. It doesn't lead you anywhere. It doesn't really bring desired outcome. So can you imagine people who are teaching and they have great swelling ways, amazing way of presenting themselves. That's why Paul says that, I did not come to you, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, with the enticing words of man's wisdom. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, it says that the Greeks seek wisdom. The Jews seek sign. 
So the Greeks, talking about intellectuals, they want you to say something that, that appeals to just mere thinking. Jews request a sign and Greeks uh, seek after wisdom. But Paul said, look at the next verse. Paul says that, but we preach Christ crucified. Really looks preposterous. Tell us something. See, so the, the, the strength of the church has everything to do with the Christ in the church. The focus on Christ. And the focus says that for you have not so learned of Christ. So Christ Christ must be taught and Christ must be preached. It's called the gospel. Called the gospel in the church. And so Christ-centered preaching is what is called the gospel. Christ-centered teaching is what is called the gospel. And as we heard on Thursday, that we don't just preach a crucified Christ, but we also preach a Christ in session. An ascended Jesus seated. Seated, uh, 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 Hebrews chapter 8, verse 1. On the right hand of majesty, on high. I like that phrase so much. Seated on the right hand of the throne of majesty in heaven. He's in session. And he's reigning in the church from that level. So, if you can imagine, when Jesus is in session, and the portrait of Jesus that is presented to us is like a baby Jesus. No, 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 think about it. A baby Jesus. A baby Jesus. He said, we preach Christ crucified. That's where people must understand the crucifixion. That's why you come in. You come in through the cross. But as soon as you come in, you must. See, they didn't preach Christ exalted. They preach Christ crucified, even though he has resurrected. And in glory, they preach Christ crucified. Now, when we come in the church, we focus on the ascended Christ. And we stay on the cross and focus on the ascended Christ. And our, our understanding of Christ, in fact, I think Hebrews chapter 2, it says that we see Jesus having been made a little lower than angels, crowned with honor and glory. Hallelujah. But we see Jesus, who was made who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor. That's the kind of Jesus we see. Jesus crowned with glory. But he was made a little, in other words, he took on humanity. But he didn't stay on earth permanently. He was elevated and we see him crowned with glory and majesty. Hallelujah. And so, it's important to understand that the sound preaching of Christ must be the bedrock of every healthy uh, Christian life and healthy church life. So they speak words of vanity. Vanity, it doesn't take you to where God wants you to be. Any, when the Bible uses the word vain in the New Testament, it's talking about void of God's life. Void of the life of God. Void of the manifestation of God. Void of the principles of God. So in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17, it talks about that you in the times past were gentle, were like they said, for this I say, and testify that, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the what? Vanity of their minds. So the, when gentle here means godless people, people who don't have a relation with God, they walk in the vanity of their mind. All the achievements and all the things that happens in their life, their pursuit, it's, it's void of the life of God. And so their thinking is void of the life of God. Vanity. In Romans chapter 1, verse 21, he said, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, they became what? Vain in their imagination. Vain thinking. Vain. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18. Thank you, Jesus. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed from corruptible things as silver and gold, from vain conversation. We had a certain vain lifestyle. Conversation means lifestyle. There's no communication. Lifestyle. Vain. Give us New King James, please. From Aimless conduct, that's vain. Conduct, so vain conduct. We have been delivered from a vain lifestyle. But watch this. He said, for they, they speak great swelling words of vanity. 
Can you imagine someone is teaching you and it's full of vanity? It gives you promises. In fact, most teachings, most of these kind of teachings are shrouded with promises. Promises of glory. Promises of greatness. Promises of testimony. All kinds of promises. But the, the core of the message is full of vanity. It, it's vain of the life of God. That is why the Bible says that they are like wells without water. Because a preacher, when a preacher is preaching the word of God, God must be, be transferred to you. But if this is somebody preaching and God is there, it's void of the life of God. Empty of God. May God deliver us from such. In the name of Jesus Christ. So it says that where they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure. That's another, another interesting word. They allure through the lust of the flesh. <laughs> you know, the, the, the value or the strength of bait is in the hunger of the prey. Because, you see, you can't use um, carrots to tempt a lion. You can't use carrots. To, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, because uh, uh, you're using it as a bait, right? It doesn't work. It won't work on lion. By rabbit. Well, you can't use meat to tempt rabbit. But you can use carrots to tempt rabbits. So, now, they, watch this. They allure through the lust of the flesh. Because of what your heart has always wanted. It's easy to preach to feed that thing. So they can lure you. So the, uh, the, another word for allure is entice. The Greek word sounds something like diliazo. To entice. <laughs> the way he said, hey. <laughs> to entice. To entice. Bible says that in James chapter 1, verse 14, it says, for everyone is tempted. But each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own what? Desires and what? Enticed. Temptation is based on your desire. And your desire becomes the point of reference for the enticement. Yeah. Enticement. A man who is very sick in the hospital and struggling for his life, you can't use nursing girls to entice him. <laughs> and when he's now got extra money and he's bought a very nice car, he feels like I need a girl to sit near me. And the desire is there. So preachers that feed our lustful desires, we have to be very careful about it. Feeding our lustful desires based on what you have always wanted before you came to Christ anyway. We want money, 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 money. There was a time, there was a wave of money preachings. I think the early 2000s. And at late 90s and early 2000s, money came to me. Now, people have confessed that. Look at your state, still don't need it. I'm not saying that God doesn't bless us, but look at the, these four speeches. Speak great swelling words of vanity. They allure through the lust of the flesh, through much wantonness, liberties, freedom. We are free to do this, but even though it's not right. They, 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 we don't mind. Just, just wear anything. Do anything. Do anywhere. For your freedom happiness. So that kind of teaching that said everything at all is okay. God understands. Through much wantonness. So they allure through what much those who are, watch, this is very important. Those that were clean escaped from them who live in the error. So when you come to Christ, you have escaped. But you have escaped and come, and then some preachings are going now beginning to entice you. Said the false teachings allure those who have clean escaped. False teachings, you see, it doesn't have to sound bad. But once it deviates from Christ, it's getting false. 
Once he defeats on Christ and puts the focus on the gospel message on humanity, human beings. Human uh, alleviation of poverty, human rights, social justice, all those things are important. But let's not make, that, that's not the core message of the church. The church cannot now, all we preach is alleviation of poverty. Jesus even said, the poor you always have with you. Or social housing has become the main message we preach in our church. And we are always campaigning social housing, social housing. Now we don't, it's no more Jesus. Those things, they will not be bad in themselves. But once those things begin to eclipse the message of Christ, now falsehood have started invading the church. So people don't set out to be false, but sometimes the kind of uh, uh, philosophy we allow to generate in our teachings or in our focus is what ends up, by the time you realize, slightly deviation or slight deviation after a long period of time becomes a major, uh, major aberration. So it's important to notice that people who have escaped, say, I have escaped. Say, I have escaped. If you are in Christ, you have escaped something. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Those of us in Christ, we have escaped something. Tell me. What have we escaped? We have escaped. Look at verse 19. He said, while they promise what? They promise them liberty. They promise them, you know, this is how you are going to enjoy life. This is how it's going. They say some kind of promises of liberty. But listen, I quoted earlier on, Galatians chapter 5 verse 1. Christ has brought us into liberty already. Galatians, um, it's for freedom why Christ set you free. He said, walk in the liberty wherein Christ has set you free. And verse 13, for you brethren have been called to what? Liberty. liberty. We have been called, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. So we are already called into liberty. He who the Son says free is free indeed. Romans chapter 8, verse, verse 36. Romans chapter 8, verse 32. He said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Hallelujah. So we have been called into liberty. Now, permit me to say these two things. Liberty, Christ, when you come into Christ, you have come into liberty. So that's Roman. Uh, John 8, 36. He who the Son makes free is free indeed. So when you come into Christ, you have actually escaped something and come into liberty. It's very important. Number two. Now, because you have come into liberty, what helps us to walk in liberty is the truth of God's word. He said, you shall know the truth. So what you don't know keeps you in bondage. You shall, Roman, so John chapter 8 Verse 32, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you. The truth you know, the truth you know makes, not them, makes you. The tr- it's not the truth they know makes you free. The truth you know makes you free. So knowing the truth is what entitles you to walk in liberty. I quoted earlier on James chapter 1, verse 25, that see a man who looks into the perfect law is the law, law of liberty. The word of God is a law that brings you freedom, liberation. Liberation. Human, to be a human means you are restricted one way or the other. And as you grow in life, we pick up some habits that become bondage. So you would be sitting very gentle, looking very wonderful, looking so free, but you know you have some bondage somewhere. <laughs> people look so free, but yet in bondage. You go to the city, you see people, high-powered careers. They, they work wonder, you look, you know, nice houses, nice cars, nice lifestyle, but are not free. Are not free. There are many people who are not free. Many people are not free. In fact, if you are not in Christ, you are actually not free. The freedom we get first is freedom not to sin. But secondly, freedom from satanic control, satanic oppression, satanic domination. Free from the the, the clutches of hell. Freedom. Someone shout freedom. Freedom. And it says, looking into the perfect law of liberty is what guarantees you freedom. And so now, Christ has made you free. Now to enforce and walk in the freedom, you have to be exposed to the truth of God's word because when you know the truth, you are free. Not just that, the Holy Spirit is also the agent of, of freedom. 
So now it's the Holy Spirit that enforces the freedom or helps us to enjoy the freedom in Christ. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So if you, are not, if you're, if you feel there's, there's restriction and your marriage is like dragging you down, maybe there's no expression of the Holy Spirit in your marriage. Is it, is it your career? Is it your family life? Is it your ministry? Where the Spirit of God is, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, is very important. It said, the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit, let's all read it aloud from the screen. Very loud. Let's go. Now the Lord is the Spirit. Some of you are not reading. Please, let's read like people who believe in liberty. Let's go. Now the Lord is the One more time. Now, the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Shout hallelujah. So get busy getting the Spirit of God more around your life. Expose yourself to where you know the Spirit of God is working. And you're exposing yourself to liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Your prayer that is void of the move of the Spirit doesn't bring liberty. We can pray for you. In the name of Jesus. Shaking, 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 shaking. But the Holy Ghost is not in it. Shaking, shaking, shaking. I'm not saying that it's the shouting or the silence, but it's the spirit. Because it says, John chapter 3, verse 6, whatsoever is born of the spirit is spirit. <laughs> Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh. So if it's a fleshly expression, it's just flesh. It's not going anywhere. It's like, it's like Cain's sacrifice. It just didn't go up. Yes, yes. There are a lot of times we can be engaging in so-called spiritual activities, but it's not, it's not going beyond the ceiling. Cain, Cain, it's Cain, Cain, Cain. It says they've gone the way of Cain. It's in Jude, the way of Cain. And then Balaam, Cain, Balaam, and the one who rebelled against Moses, Korah. Woe to them, for they have gone the way of Cain. Grand greedily in the era of Balaam for prophets and perished in the rebellion of Koba. These three people, very important. Very dangerous thing to be rebellious, to be greedy, and then trivialize spiritual things. You are going some way, 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 way. You remember the way, the way. Let's look at the text again, verse 19. It says that they, they, while they promise them liberty, they themselves are the, se- oh no, servants of corruption. Now that word servant is slave. So some translations might even, I think, uh, amplify, how does the amplify, is that, okay, even uh, the New King James puts, uh, they themselves are slaves of corruption. You see that? They are promising liberty, but they are slaves. They are preachers who are slaves. Slaves of corruption or pollution. Or the Greek word translated corruption also means defilement in the verse 10. The same, the same word was used, I think, in the verse 10. Defilement, especially those who walk according to the flesh in the last of, that's a dark word, uncleanness, is defilement. So they are promising you liberties, but they are slaves of defilement. In their private lives, they are in bondage. Hey. They themselves are slaves of defilement. Slaves of defilement. There are people behind church leader or in church leadership who are slaves of defilement. Why? Because of their doctrine. Doctrines expose you to a certain level of enslavement. You are either a slave to God. In fact, in Jesus puts it this way, John chapter 8, verse 34. Whatever you serve, you are a slave to it. Wow. Jesus has said, this is Jesus. It's not David. This is Jesus. Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is what? Slave to sin. That's why I can't envy an unbeliever. Doesn't matter what you own or what you have. You are a slave to sin. An unbeliever is a slave. And you can be a Christian, be set free, but still have allowed yourself to be enslaved by sin. One, because of the philosophy you're operating your life with. So he says that, and in fact, Romans chapter 6, verse 16, says something similar. Do you not know that to whom you present yourself slave to obey, you are that one's slave who you obey? Whether of sin leading to death or obedience leading to righteousness. Whoever you obey. So some of us, we are happily slaves of God. 
And I won't allow someone who is a slave of sin to make me feel bad for being a slave of God. No, no, no. And you, you, you look down at me and downplay my relationship with God. You are joking. You are lying. You, 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 you won't have the right to be able to intimidate my pursuit of God because you are also pursuing some the, the, the devil, uh, whatever. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yes, yeah, so it says that while they promise them liberty, they themselves are servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome, the same is brought into bondage. That's the same thing I was saying. Now, look at the next verse. This is all the same kind of people who, the kind of preachers using big, big words of promise, swelling, great and swelling words, vain words, lack the sperm of God, the seed of God in the teaching. The life of God, the very life of God is missing in the teaching. At best, it's full of ideas and explanation of ideology. For if, after they have escaped the pollution, oh, oh, do you remember we said, I said we have escaped? Yeah. So, for if after they have escaped the pollution that is in the world, the same, that, that's the corruption, the uncleanness that is in the world. Remember the Bible says that love not the world, nor the things that are in the world. For the or things that are in the first John chapter 2, Verse 15, 16, 17. For the things that are in the world, the last of the flesh, the last of the eye, the blood of life, are not of God. Say, so if you love the world, you make yourself enemy of God. In First John chapter 2. And in James chapter 4, verse 4, he said, Are ye adulteress and adulteresses? Hey! He said, Ye adulteress and adulteresses. Don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Why? Because the whole world, according to 1 John chapter 5, verse 19, lies under the sway of the evil one. The whole world, the systems of thinking, the systems that govern the operations of the world is under the sway of the evil one. So we cannot be as Ephraim addicted and attached to the idols. So leave Ephraim alone. Hosea chapter 4, verse 17. Leave him alone. He's attached to his idols. May God not say that about us. May God not come to a place and say, Leave her alone. She doesn't want to come to church. Leave her alone. Leave her alone. She's attached to her idols. She's attached to her, her boyfriend. She att he's attached to his girlfriend. He's attached to something. Idol. Leave her alone. He's attached to worldliness. Leave her alone. May we never come to that position in the name of Jesus Christ. So he says that the last in the world, the corruption that is in the world through last. You remember 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, how he says that God has given us this precious promise that we, we might partake of the divine nature and escape the corruption that is in the world through last. Through last. There is corruption in the world. Through last. So you see, preaching that feeds your last is a very dangerous thing. It's bringing you back to slavery. Preaching that feeds last. Preaching that feeds your carnality. Your carnal, is, uh, carnal instincts. Preaching that is not challenging you to work with God. That is not, preaching that is not bringing you up. He said, I was on the, in the spirit on the last day. And he said, come up hither. Come up hither. Preaching that is not calling you. Come up. Come up to the mountain. Come towards God. Come towards God. Leave the idols. Leave something behind. And come towards God. That's what the preaching of Christ meant to do for us. To bring us God words. That Christ will increase in us and we will decrease. That, that, that can, any preaching that doesn't increase God, the intake of God in your life is very dangerous. It's ending up feeding your last. It's feeding your last. And we all have last. Didn't you see in the Bible, James chapter 1, verse 14, he said, each man is tempted by his own lust. Ah, so not somebody's lust, your own lust. Everyone is tempted when he's drawn away by his own, you own it. Until you die, you still have, because the flesh, uh, this flesh, this thing has lust. It doesn't matter how spiritual you look. The flesh. You know what I'm talking about. People don't know. People don't know. People don't know the things that you've been struggling with. Yeah. We all have lust. That is why we have to be careful exposing ourselves to a certain type of teaching that will be building the lust, boosting. Lust boosting teachings. 
<laughs> After church, you feel boosted in your last. <laughs> Can you imagine? Last, so some of you, when you hear last, you're only thinking about sexual sins. No, 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 no. Not only that. Last, desires away from God is last. Anything that desire, just you, is, is more, it's not, it's not generated by a godly passion. But carnal instincts. So it can even be something basic, something that might not even be evil in itself, but it still lasts. And so some teachings, for instance, the teachings that overemphasize on gain, 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 material gain, material gain, teachings that put undue, it's a problem. It's a problem in our modern day church. Teaching that put undue emphasis on material gain and self-centered approach to life. About you, self, you are so important. God loves you so. Most of that message, the love of God, under it, uh, what the, the real I, under, the real mindset behind it is about you. So most of the message that overemphasizes on how God loves you, how God is still making you the center. It's bringing, it's bringing the focus. Of, who are you? Who, who are you? <laughs> who am I? Who am I for me to think? All I'm thinking about, I, 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 I'm not happy in life, and so I need a preacher to tell me, don't worry, God loves you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We need a preacher to tell you, you are a sinner. Get over yourself. <laughs> Get over yourself. <laughs> so there are, some, there are some teachings that will put too much emphasis on self. They said, Paul told Timothy, I said, of such, withdraw yourself. Because he said, such people will teach that gain is godliness. Gain is godliness. More money means God is blessing you more. But you haven't changed. You are not even serving more. Nothing else. But more money, God is blessing. Good job, God is blessing you more. You got it married, God is blessing. So, but there are people who are getting more money and have not got anything to do with God. There are people who are who are who are, there are people who are who are who are marrying very nice wives. I mean, I mean, nice wives, <laughs> sophisticated wives, <laughs> and good women. Oh, good women are not only in church. Because some of you, you you actually the same person outside you have come. So God is now working on that. So, but when you were in the world, you were very bad, you were a very bad girl or bad boy. But you have escaped the corruption that is in the world. Through last. So, so now, God is working on us. Tell somebody, allow me, God is working on me. Tell me, give me some space. Give me some space. Yeah, yeah. Bear with me for a while. Bear with me for a while. God is working on me. Bear with me for a while. God is working on me. God is working on me. Bear with me for a while. <laughs> God is working on me. Bear with me for a while. It says that, oh, this is interesting. For if after they had escaped the pollution of the world, how do you escape the pollution of the world? Through the, ah, through the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you see that? It's not through laying on offense. Is laying on offense not important? Certainly it is. But to escape the corruption and the pollution in the world, it is a function of the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. The knowledge, watch this, of the Lord and Savior. You remember that? Lord and not only Lord and not only Savior. Lord and Savior. As you know Jesus, the more you know Jesus. He says that, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2, says, grace be multiplied to you through the knowledge. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge. And 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, it says, grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we escape corruption, pollution that is in the world through the knowledge. Knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Does it make sense when Paul said that whatever was gained to me, that I count lost, that I might know him? Philippians chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. That I might know. In fact, he says that, he used the word, for the excellent knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse, from verse 7, verse 8. Indeed, I also count all things as lost for the excellence of the knowledge. The knowledge of Jesus is 
Super. Super. It's the creme de la creme. Excellent. <laughs> the excellent knowledge of. So until you consider knowing Jesus as an excellent thing, you are not in the right path. Wow. Yeah, or you suffer losses. Because once, you see, when you believe something is top, excellent, you don't mind what you sacrifice to get it. But until you believe this thing is the best, this thing is the ultimate, you won't sacrifice certain things because some things are important. Like years ago, I heard a story about a guy in, and, you know, to, to have footwear was luxury. And there are a lot of places, some places in the world where footwear is not, people walk barefooted. Yeah. And it's fine. And this guy has been walking barefooted and I think one day someone decided to do him a favor, a family friend or something, bought him new trainers. Very nice ones. Nice trainers. He loved it. He didn't wear it often. So he kept it for a while. One day he was going somewhere important, so he wore the trainers. He doesn't normally wear shoes, but he wore the trainers and he was walking and he was feeling so good. After I finished, the function was coming. He just, he hasn't gotten home yet, but he sat somewhere, took off the trainers. He said, no, it's, it will be dirty. So he took off the trainers so he can walk barefoot. Because he used to be working. And you know what happened? After about 10 minutes of walking, he accidentally stepped into a broken bottle. And it cut him, deep cut. And he looked and said, oh, thank God if I wore this shoe. <laughs> <laughs> The injury was not a problem. He, it was even a blessing if the shoe didn't get cut. Yeah. Yes. He was happy that, hey, so if I wore this shoe, it should have cut. Ah. He was happy. You see. <laughs> it depends on what you consider excellent. It depends on your value system. And usually, two things. When you are growing in life, your value systems keep changing. When you are a young girl, all you care about is hair. <laughs> or other things, face. When you are a young man, most of what you care about is some fast money and girls. After they have beaten you and hurt you, they say, oh, women are bad. Women are bad. Women are bad. That's after you are about 40 years. As you are 40, now what is important to you is your children. When you are in your late teens, your marriage is not important. No, 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 marriage. No, no. Fun. I want to enjoy my life. I want to live a soft life. <laughs> you, know, you know that when you are 60, when you are 60s, your degree is not the most important thing in your life. No, no. Yeah, not I'm going to get that degree for what? It's where you are here. So as you grow, what's important changes. What you deem very important changes as you grow. Some people, when you get to a certain age now, your income is the most important thing to you. But after a while, you realize your income is not important. When you hit your 50s, your health is more important than your income. <laughs> And then once you are in your 70s, it's your ability to stand. <laughs> and when you get to your 80s, your walking stick becomes very important for you. In the same way, spiritual things. As you grow, and your life in church, some things, who spoke to you, where the ushers touch you, Sometimes don't. When you're a baby Christian, where you sit is but I always want to sit here. I want to, and you are, you are making so much noise about the seat you didn't get. Oh, you see, you are not growing. I didn't like the way the choir director spoke to me. The usher spoke to me. My departmental leader. My kid group, when I go, my friends were not there. Children, children are not always interested in what their friends think. There are a lot of spiritual children. Yeah, I know you say, Pastor, we are all children of God. Yeah, I know what you mean. So let me, let me rephrase. Infants. Spiritual infants. You've been in church for 10 years, and yet you are still 10 months in the spirit. Wearing diapers. Spiritual diapers. 
<laughs> because when we listen to your complaint, Bible says that when I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child. And so your thinking, your thought pattern, or what you, how you think and what you say gives you away whether you are growing or you are still a baby. First Corinthians 13, 11. When I was a child, I speak. How you speak will tell us how old you are. In the spirit. Because physically, sometimes, <laughs> it's kind of different. Because some people seem to be old, but when they speak, you think that, is this still a child? Yeah. Hmm. Okay, let's look at the text again. For if after they have escaped the pollution of the world, through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. They are again, oh, again? So you can escape and be entangled again. Entanglement. I know there are people who are born again and you find yourself entangled again in some stuff, man. Yeah. I don't want to mention the name of some of the stuff because you know it so you yourself can mention it for yourself. (laughs) Entangled again? You know, I've seen so many Christians said for, for three months, I've been fine. For six months, I was fine. For three years, I was fine. I don't know what has happened. I've gone back to this vomit. Yeah, you are saying, oh, but you know I'm talking about you too. <laughs> There's something you've gone back. You look very innocent, but I'm telling you, it's likely you've gone back to something. If you have been in church a while, it's likely if you are not growing, you'll go back. You'll be backsliding gently, gently, small, 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 going back to something. So he says that we have escaped. Then we go back again, entangled. The word entangled in um, um, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4, it says that a soldier, this warring, should not be entangled, doesn't entangle himself with the affairs of the world. Yeah, it's there. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with civilian affairs. You don't entangle yourself. Do you remember in First Peter chapter 2, verse 11, he said, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against your soul. Yeah. Abstain from fleshly lust, which war. So then don't get yourself entangled into some things. That is why some of us, you might have to cancel some accounts. It will be okay for some people. But some online accounts, you, because it keeps t- taking you back keeps taking you back into entanglement. Yeah. Yeah. In the past, movies, to watch movie for you is nothing but something that is X-rated, like wild stuff. <laughs> eh? if, you are, if you are watching a movie and it's not X, it's not for you. Yeah. <laughs> you know I'm talking about you now. I'm talking about in the past, and now you have escaped. Yes. You have say I've escaped. escaped. I know some people will say because you don't want to look like it's you. I know it. You just take notes of those who can't say it. Say I've escaped. I've escaped. Escaped. Now watch this. So, so you had problem with movies. Not that movies were bad, but normal movies don't do it for you. Or oh, you know what I'm talking about. It, it must be something very heavy. <laughs> it must be loaded. When you finish, you, you, you are stirred up for different types of functions. And now you are in Christ and you, you've escaped, but your Netflix account is still active. So every now and then you, don't, you want to make use of your money, you go and watch some movies. But when you watch these watered down movies, it doesn't work for you. So then you have to a bit, yeah, upgrade and go up a bit. Sometimes you just want to stay something little at the edges. And before you could say Jack, you have been entangled again. Entanglement. Entanglement. Sometimes when you are trying to come out of entanglement, it's quite a, a difficult. Because by the time you are taking one foot off, the other one has moved into it. It's like it's, it's, it's so much. So it's not straightforward. Uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Yes. That is easily beset. It's the same thing. They entangle you. Yes. 
Hebrews chapter 7. Wherefore, seeing that we are compassed with so great a cloud, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset. That word beset is the same word translated entangle us. It's easily entangled. There are sins that easily entangle. And you have to lay aside. Stop pretending like you don't have things that easily entangle you. And sometimes you have the feelings. It doesn't mean you are bad. You are not hypocritical. But the thing is there. So what should you do? Expose yourself to sound teachings. That will not feed your last. That will not feed your last. Please sit down. Please sit down. Most of you know exactly what I'm talking about. And you are just genuine towards God, but sometimes your flesh, your fleshly desires try to get in the way. It doesn't mean you are a bad person, but it's it's called human. You're just human. And if you are not careful to get yourself unentangled or disentangled, you end up disgracing yourself. And people will say you are a bad Christian. It's not that you are not a bad Christian. No, you are not a bad Christian, but you didn't watch where you were going. You know, when you are walking in a field or some place where they, if you go to the farm, cow, where they rear cow, and you are walking there, you have to watch the line mines before, by the time you go back in your car, you've soiled your car with cow dung. So you have to watch where you are walking. That's, every one of us need to be alert. Because nobody is a metal. No, 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 not at all. You are not iron. No. Iron boy. So we, we, we all have inclinations. Yeah. We have flaws or human weaknesses. Yeah. And you are, you are predisposed towards some things that are not healthy. Everybody. That's why you might hear that, oh, a pastor has done this. And most of, some of, most of them, some of them are not that bad. But they, they didn't put their boundaries in place. For, this is serious. Watch this, verse 20. For if after they have escaped, it's after, you have already escaped. If after they have escaped, all right, through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled there in the same thing. They are again, so you can be born again and end up back in what God has delivered you from. But you are still a Christian brother. You are still, this is talking about Christians. You are still a Christian sister, a Christian brother, but you have gone back into pornography. You've gone back into mono, uh, womanizing. You've yeah. gone back into chasing other people's husbands. You've gone back into quarreling, in bitterness. You've gone back into stealing. You've gone back into drugs. You've gone back into all kinds of things that when you are sitting in church, you look like an angel, but you know. Girl, last night where you were was not good. Mm. Yeah. And sometimes, I'm happy you still came to church. People who saw you didn't, don't think you should. But don't mind them. Run towards God. Run towards God. Even when you feel upset with yourself, run towards God. Don't be so sick that now I don't want to go to hospital. Run towards God. Run towards God. Because Satan will tell you, you are a hypocrite. <laughs> you are. Satan will drum it in your ears. Yeah. Keep telling you. And people say, I don't want to be a hypocrite. <laughs> but are you one? Uh-huh. So then why don't you behave like the one who is not? But I'm struggling. Struggling doesn't mean you're a hypocrite. Yeah. Yeah. Struggling doesn't mean you're a hypocrite. Yeah. It just it means that you are human and you are not putting in the right systems. None of us will escape if we don't put in the right systems. None of us will escape. You can be a bishop, bishop, bookshop or bishop. You can, you can be a pope is only one, so I normally leave that out. You can, you can be a, an archbishop, a cardinal, a prophet, a teacher. Whatever you are, you are still a human being. And so you have to be alert. Put in the systems that can protect yourself from getting entangled again after you have escaped. Some of us, our weakness is you are too soft on yourself. And so you want a gospel that will tell you, don't worry, God understands. And you are still going down, down, down. But God understands, God understands. Wake up! Wake up from your slumber! And take some strong actions and defend your future and your destiny in God. Let's finish this thing. Hey! Oh, is this in the Bible? Oh! See, see, see. It says that it's not just the entanglement that is the issue. And when they have overcome that, but their latter end is worse with them than the beginning. 
Oh, oh, Jesus said a, a story like that yes. in Luke chapter 11, yes. verse 24 downwards. Yes. He said, when a demon leaves a person, he goes into arid places. And then after a while, he comes back to check if the place is garnished and clean. And if there's nobody occupying it, he won't stay. He'll go and bring seven other demons, worse than himself. And then they'll come and stay there. And Jesus said, and the, the condition of the man, and the last state of the man is worse than the first. Matthew chapter 12, verse 45, the same thing. The last state, he said they will come in and the last state. So what am I trying to suggest? If you backslide, it will get worse. What you were before you got born again, what you were before God saved you, what the lifestyle you were living which you didn't like, and it, you were having sleepless nights, you were not a happy person. Even though you looked happy, you were very miserable because your life was not going anywhere. You found yourself in church, and now for once, you can tell, I am free, I have liberty, Christ has set me free. Please stay there. Because if you go back, you are going to a worse condition. He said, it would have been better if you were not saved in the first place. He said, the last state of that man, the same person. It's worse off. Can you imagine? And the last state of that man is worse than the first. That is what Peter is saying here. Don't, that's why when you are born again, be interested in the messages, teachings yeah. that will help you escape the corruption that is in the world through last. Yeah. Be interested in those ones. Don't make your focus first. How I'm going to feel. I feel good about preaching. I feel good about preaching. This is the kind of preaching I like. Ah, I'm going to make more money now. I'm going to get married. Seven ways to have a successful marriage. It's all good preachings. But if that's all you are listening to, if that's all you listen to, I really fear for your latter end. You have to listen to things that will challenge you move more towards God. In your work with God, not in your achievement in life. In your work with God. It's more important because what does a man gain? If he gains the whole world, he loses his soul. That's why it starts. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Matthew 6, 33. And his righteousness. And these other things didn't say and seek them after. He said they will be added. God will make sure you are having the things. If you can prioritize God, he will prioritize your gain in life. So, it says that for, oh, okay, it's there, 21, 21, 21, it is there. Brothers and sisters, it's right there in plain text, in the scriptures, black and white, it's there. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of, see the way? Say the way. Not to have known the way of righteousness, that after they had known, known it, from the holy so it's the holy commandments that help us to walk in the way of righteousness we turn from the holy commandments that, must be, that has been delivered unto us don't turn from it turn. turn look at this text it's a very powerful text Ezekiel chapter 18 verse 24 Ezekiel 18 24 those who turn this is a, when I saw it, I said, what? You know, there are some powerful scriptures in the Bible, text yeah. in it. It says that, but when a righteous man turns away from his righteousness, oh, oh, someone say, oh, oh. oh. <laughs> it's not good. Not good, not good, not good. Oh, oh. A righteous person, you are turning away from your righteousness because of the lockdown. Now you've turned away from your righteousness. You who used to go to church, now you don't go to church. You are sitting at home. You have turned away from your righteousness, I'm telling you. You've turned away from your righteousness. If a righteous person, a righteous, turns away from his righteousness and commits iniquity, and that's according to all the abominations that the wicked man does, shall he live? All the righteousness which he has done shall not be remembered. Hey. Hey. You see, that's why I tell people, you are in church doing well, and God, there's a prophetic word that you are going to do well, and you are going to get married, and this is about to happen, and you are working towards it, then later you turn your back. You see, all the good things you did to bring, is it has been forgotten. Mm-hmm. You see, you, you think, people think they are doing it for the pastor, or for their cell leader, or for their departmental leader. No, 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 no. He said, his righteousness, all the things he has, this is a serious one. Can I, why is this in the Bible? Mm, that's a good point. It's for our learning. 
Can you imagine? All the righteousness which he has done shall not be. Oh. This, this one. I know if it was, you had your way, you would rip it out in the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> and throw it out. This cannot be in the Bible. But it's there. You are a faithful worshiper. Faithful giver. Faithful tither. And then you backslide from that. Oh, the other traffic. <laughs> See, build me a house. Building project. You started and you stopped. You've, you've nullified everything. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. yeah, finish it up. <laughs> See, a police officer stops you for, for crossing the red light. Would you tell him, I've always gone the green one. Green, I've obeyed green, 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 green. No, no, no. Just that one one has neutralized all the green obedience. Your labors will not be in vain. Amen. The last text here, it's very powerful. Because I told you five points. Okay. So the first one is what? Brute beast. Number two is like what? Spots in our worship. Number three? Forsaking the right way. Number four, wells without water. Number five, dogs is there. The last verse. Let's look at verse 22. Second Peter chapter 2. It's easy to remember. 2, 2, 2, 2. Second Peter chapter 2 verse 20. <laughs> Let's all read it aloud from the screen. Let's go. According to the true proverb, the dog has returned to his own vomit again. And the sir. To, to just summarize it, because uh, there's a lot packed in here. There are so many scriptures. Philippians chapter uh, 3, verse 2, it says that dogs. Revelation chapter 22, verse 15, talks about outside are dogs. In Matthew chapter 15, verse 26, Jesus said, I can't give the children's bread to the dogs. What is it about dogs? Is in those days, 2,000 years ago, dogs were some wild animals. They were not domesticated like it is now. That now, if you don't have a dog in your house, it's like you're not posh. But, <laughs> you know, so in those days, dogs were not seen as valuable. Or, and Jesus, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 6, he says, don't give what is holy to dogs. And don't cast your pearl before hogs. So, sow, S-O-W-S, sows, or hog, or pig, surely the swine, same. So he says that they are like, they have become, if you go back, get entangled, you have become like, he said, we have become like dogs that have returned to our vomit. A dog will finish, it, it all kinds of stuff, and then throw it up, excuse me if my explanation, and then after throw it up, go, turn back and eat it. No, that's that. See the way it is quite, sorry, please, sorry, it's, I know it's a bit, you know. But in the spirit, that's how angels are saying about some people, this girl, mm, this girl, mm. you're going back to it again? Why are you responding? Why are you replying to his message again? Mm. Why, are you, why are you texting her back? Why are you watching? Oh, angels are saying, mm, he's going back. The way when you hear a dog is going back to his vomit and eating it up. And that vomit goes, in, what they eat enters inside. So it's internal defilement. Dog represents internal defilement. <gasps> inside is defiled. But the pig, the saw, look at the text again. It said, dog eats something that enters, but pig is not entering. It said, and the saw that was washed to her wallowing in the mind. So external death. All angles. Internally dirty, externally dirty. You wash a saw, the pig, clean it, leave it to go back into the mirror. Make itself dirty again. There are some things you shouldn't be found in. Because you are a Christian, you are born again. You shouldn't be found in. And there are some things that people might, you might not be found in. But inside, some things that are, you, are, you, are, you are eating, you are taking in, you are watching, you are meditating. You are meditating Heavy retaliation and brutal retaliation, bitterness. No, 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 no. It's like a dog. You've gone back. You are eating. This person, what he did to me, I will hurt him. I will hurt him. I'm telling you, as long as I before, if I don't pay him back, I will never be happy. 
I'll pay. I don't care what anybody thinks. Listen, it's, you, are, you, are, you, are, you are getting yourself internally polluted. Jesus said it's not what people eat physically. But he said the thoughts of the heart is what makes people dirty. So you can look good on the outside. And there are some people, their behavior will all tick the boxes. But inside, there's a lot of things going on inside you. That was the problem with the Pharisees. He said they are like whitewashed tombs. They are white on the outside, but full of dead men's bones. You can easily fall into that category. And what causes us? The teachings, the teachings, the teachings, the teachings. We are meant to be made uncomfortable out of falling back into those kind of stuff. You can't be living in sin and living anyhow and expect the teaching of God's word to just keep encouraging you. No. One of the essence of true teachings or preaching is to comfort the uh, discouraged. So bring comfort to the downhearted and make those who are at ease uncomfortable. You can't be living in a way or your relationship with Christ is not in its best state and you come to church and feel afterwards feel, still, still feel uncomfortable. You shouldn't feel con- condemned. No, condemnation is not of God. Condemnation, I don't think I'm qualified. I don't, that's condemnation. It's the devil that condemns. Bible says there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. But when you are in Christ and you are in church and there's something going on in your life, you should feel convicted. He says that I'm happy that my preaching made you sorrowful. For 2 Corinthians chapter 7 said, for godly sorrow worketh repentance and does not have to be repented of. Verse 10. For godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation. Not to be. So if my preaching made you feel <sighs> cut in the heart, but leads to salvation, I don't have to feel sorry about it. He said, it doesn't have to be repented of. So godly sorrow. He said, my preaching made you sorrowful. But it, godly sorrow. Godly sorrow is necessary. When your relationship with Christ is breached, you need godly sorrow. And there are some teachings that don't produce godly sorrow. It's, it's, it's um, wells without water. And so false teachers and their cohorts are like brute beasts, sports in our feast, Balaam gone astray, way of Balaam, wells without water, and dogs that return to their vomit. So this is what has been causing the church a lot of harm. And we have to stay away from it and stay true to the, the true word of God because you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Did you receive something? Thank you for listening to this message by David Entry. When God speaks, works show. And the works will surely show in your life. To hear more from David Entry, follow him on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and subscribe to Caris Church on YouTube. Don't forget to share and subscribe to our podcast so you're always up to date. Be blessed.